Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. Today we're going to be talking about animals and empaths with our special guest, Karen Anderson. She's an award-winning animal communicator and afterlife expert who's been communicating with pets and departed spirits for over 20 years. She earned the prestigious first place award for the 2013 Reader's Choice Awards for Best Animal Communicator. She's written two books, including the number one best-selling The Amazing Afterlife of Animals and Hear All Creatures, The Journey of an Animal Communicator. She also has collaborated on several books, including one with Dr. Patricia Carrington on her book, The Secret Inner Life of Pets. Karen has also appeared on many shows, including Coast to Coast, AM, Darkness Radio, and Beyond Reality Radio. And now she is with us today. Welcome, Karen. Well, hi, both of you, Samantha and Denise. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. We are too. Denise and I uh, greedily finished up your book over the weekend, and we really, really enjoyed it. And I wanted to start off one of the sections of your book. Well, one of the things I really liked is how your book is very conversational and chatty. It's like talking to a friend and you're very honest about your experience with coming into your own realization of your intuitive abilities. And I always appreciate that. Your tone is not, here's my gift and here's how, you know, I will share it with the world. It's, it's very, here's how I figured this out and I hope you can too. And you write in there about how you were called to serve as a deputy sheriff. And when you're out there catching criminals and chasing down suspects, you discovered that these animals, these pets or deer that were nearby, were communicating messages to you telepathically that helped you catch the bad guys. So could you just start us off with some of those really cool stories? Oh my gosh, what, a, uh, what great memories those are. And you know, when it was happening to me at the time, I literally thought I was losing my mind. I thought I was going crazy. Um, so I was very much uh, a rookie cop up in the um, mountains of, of Colorado in a little town called Bailey. And I had this calling that I needed to serve um, the world and my community on a higher level. I formerly had been in the mortgage industry for about 20 years and was very unhappy with that work. And so I answered this higher calling, if you will, and uh, became a deputy. And in this little mountain district, it's up at about 8,500 feet. If you can imagine, there's, there's no stoplight in town. There's just one stop sign. It's really small, but the, the area to patrol is huge. In fact, the entire district is about the size of Rhode Island, if you could imagine that. So I'm out there in this uh, mountain district, as a brand new rookie cop, I'm the only female deputy on the department, and I got literally thrown into what turned out to be um, kind of a boys club. And my fellow officers, all male, of course, were leery of me and my ability to have their back if something went wrong. And I had to just kind of dive in head first and work harder and uh, really kind of prove myself on the department and so oftentimes I, I worked alone because it was such a small department and that's when all of this 
craziness started happening. I was by myself working alone as a rookie cop. I'd have to respond to every call for help that came across the radio. So I had to learn very quickly how to stay safe and also how to read the energy on a scene. When I arrived, I would within seconds begin to take in energetic uh, vibrations, if you will, about uh, my own safety and who was possibly going to hurt me. I had to pay attention to body language. I had to learn how to read people and read their energy in just seconds. So it was mainly a survival technique. It was something, and I didn't really know I was doing it. I just had to do it because that's how I stayed safe. And that's really how it all happened. And then lo and behold, um, of course, I've been um, wanting to communicate with animals and practicing with my own animals at home. And one time I was on the scene of a crime where it was a domestic violence assault and I was um, interviewing the victim and her boyfriend had uh, punched her several times in the abdomen and she was quite far along in her pregnancy. So it was really horrible. But um, I was interviewing her and the suspect had fled on foot. So we were standing outside the house at night and the area had already been searched by another officer and they were out looking for the suspect when uh, all of a sudden uh, her little kitty came diddy bopping out of the house and wandered over to this little garden shed that had tools and whatever in it. And of course I love animals, so I'm paying attention to the kitty. And I said, oh, what a cute little kitty. You know, what's its name on and on. Well, when I looked over at the kitty, the kitty looked right back at me and clear as day, just as you and I are talking right now, I heard the cats say inside, meaning inside the shed. And I thought, well, could that really be true? Did I really hear that? I mean, that's kind of crazy, right? So I got the victim out of the way and I called the other officer over and both of us went over and you know, pulled out our duty weapons and ordered the suspect to come out with his hands up in this shed. My fellow officer was rolling his eyes at me because he said he already uh, checked the shed and there was no one in there. So he's like, yeah, whatever, Karen. Sure enough, these two hands pop out and the suspect came out of the shed. Wow. So that was a shock. That was a moment where I went, what just happened? <laughs> did I... Did that really did that cat really just tell me where the suspect was hiding and that's when i realized wow you know this is this is really real and animals can really tell us these things and if they can tell me that what else can they tell me right very true and you've used that throughout your time as a law enforcement officer to help you catch us i love the story where you went on a domestic call and the woman was saying her partner had abused her and the pet told you actually she was the initiator and she had self-abused herself to punish him. Yes. I mean, isn't that incredible? Now here's the thing to remember about animals. When you communicate with an animal, they're very honest. They're very forthcoming. They just kind of share the facts 
you know, the opposite is true with a human. When you uh, interview a human, they lie. <laughs> we had a saying on the department, if someone's lips are moving, they're lying uh, because they, they are trying to cover something up most of the time. Or, you know, if they did something wrong, they're not going to tell you the truth. So um, sure enough, I was able to connect with um, uh, their pet who was on the scene the whole time that this was happening. Can you imagine being a pet, family pet, and you see this fight break out among your humans? Well, the, they are able to tell me exactly what they see without twisting the truth or lying. And they share it in a way of very factual uh, images or words, very much like if we were talking about, you know, oh, what's the weather outside? You know, they just tell you very matter-of-factly what they saw and what happened. And I got clear images that the woman was the aggressor and that she had actually harmed herself to make it look like um, that she was the victim. So, you know, of course, you can't put any of that in a police report, right? I mean, oh my gosh, this would, I would be the joke of the century. But it certainly helped me on my investigative side to get to the truth and find out what happened. That's, that's amazing. Uh, it, and it is. I, as Samantha and I are both mediums, and a lot of times I'll have animals come through to let people know that they're okay. And I'm very close with, with all animals, but dogs especially. So I can tell you what breed or what size generally. Or, or, but one of the things that they always seem so adamant about sharing is letting the person who's still here know that it was their time to go. And I know in your book, you mentioned some ways to help your, your pet get ready to transition. So if you could share some of that with our listeners, that would be incredible. Oh gosh, that's so important. And, um, you know, it, it truly comes from personal experience of all the mistakes I've made over the years. I used to be the kind of pet parent that would, you know, throw myself in agony over my dying pets, you know, last days, hours, moments, you know, begging them not to leave and sobbing hysterically and just, you know, being way overly emotional. And, I learned a very valuable lesson um, that that's really what you should avoid at all costs because here they are, you know, they're in a, a fragile state. They're in a weakened state. They're preparing to leave their physical body. Animals aren't stressed out about death and dying the way humans are. They understand on a higher level that it's a natural part of life and they don't fear it the way we do they're very accepting of their body failing they will always try to get in that last breath or they'll there's always that strong survival instinct that's just mother nature but they're very um, accepting of the fact that it's their time and i was here at, on my farm in eastern washington and i had a horse that went down with colic and I ran out there when I saw her down and I could tell she was in bad shape. She'd probably been struggling for most of the night. And when I went out to feed first thing in the morning, she was down and I lost it. I threw myself on her. I sobbed. I begged, you know, Dakota, please don't go. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm not ready to leave you. And instead of getting a feedback of her saying, oh, thank you, I love you, I'm going to try to stay here, or whatever I thought she was going to say at that moment, 
she actually snorted literally in my face and she said, you need to go away. Wow. And I went, oh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you know, and that's when I took a giant step back and I realized, what am I doing? I am making her so much worse. I am putting all of my stuff on her. So truly what you can do as a pet parent, really try to go through their, their, their final days, months, whatever you have with them, hours, whatever it is. I call this their twilight time, the time before they're ready to leave their body. And I didn't come up with that. That was actually a, a very wise ancient horse told me uh, that that's called the twilight time in, in the animal kingdom. And it's a very sacred time. And they view this time as so important to prepare their body and their soul for their transition to the other side. And in the animal kingdom, usually animals will go off by themselves. They'll distance themselves from the herd, from the pack or the flock or whatever, and they'll find a nice quiet place to, uh, to have their final moments. And in our world, in our lives, we generally hover and we hold on to them and, and we're around them and we're staring at them and we're crying and emotional. And I realized what a big difference that was. And so if you can mimic for them what they would experience in the wild, just peaceful, quiet, and calm, um, saying prayers, saying blessings, calling upon your departed loved ones, both human and animal, to be there to greet them when they cross over, or calling upon your angels or your spirit guides. All of those things really help the animal as they're in their final moments. And most of all, try to stay as emotionally calm as you can. I know it's heartbreaking and heart-wrenching, and uh, I'd be a big fat liar if I told you that I don't you know, lose it when mine are ready to go. Of course I do, I'm, I'm a mom to my guys too, and we, none of us wanna lose them, but just try to keep yourself as calm as possible and give them a quiet, peaceful space. The one thing that animals tell me over and over and over again is that when they leave their bodies, they want to leave the same way they came into this world. They want to leave with dignity, with peace and dignity. And that was a big lesson for me. And truly, you can help your animals at home too by providing them with a peaceful, quiet, transition time and many vet offices even have a special room with like dimmed lighting and soft music and and they, they make it really easy for us to do this but certainly if you're at home try to keep things quiet and peaceful and surround them with as much love as you can because you're basically giving them fuel spiritual fuel for their journey ahead and none of us want to take a a, a long journey without having our tank topped off with fuel. So just imagine you're topping off their tank, just like you would top off your gas tank at the gas station before a long journey. I, I'd just like to add one little, I, I love that, the way you describe that, and I've shared this before, but it, it fits beautifully, is 
I had a, a dog a few years back that had leukemia, had three months to live. He ended up living four years. Uh, we did quality of life, restricted shots, did a lot of different things so that, you know, swim more in the river, run more in the woods kind of a thing. And he was very, very close to one of my sons. And my sons were going to see their grandparents in a different part of the country. And the dog had been fine. And they left on a Tuesday night. And this dog always slept in the son's room. And so Tuesday night they left. And Wednesday morning, the dog couldn't get down the stairs. And I had to carry him down and wait for the vet to open. And it, I mean, I know in my soul that dog waited until my son wasn't there so he wouldn't have to go through it. I know that. And I, and I love that dog dearly because of it. Uh, but when my son came home, I mean, he hugged me and then he said, where's Gabe? And I had to tell him Gabe had passed. And we've talked about it a lot over the years that I think when our animals are so connected to us, they also don't want to cause us any pain. Uh, very well said, and um, and this is very true, and um, I'm sure many of your listeners have had an experience where they left on a business trip, or maybe they went on vacation, or an overnighter or something, only to come back and find that one of their beloved pets had passed, and it's so true what you just said, that they don't want to upset us, they don't want to cause us undue harm, and remember, in the animal kingdom, it is often they go off by themselves. That's often their uh, natural instinct is to separate themselves or distance themselves um, to um, basically protect the rest of the herd or the pack. That's just something they do in the wild to protect their family. So try not to think of that as like a personal statement or that you did something wrong or that you should have taken them to the vet the day before, you know, we, we beat ourselves up all the time about what we could have done or should have done. But I'm a firm believer that if we are meant to heal them, like you had them for four extra years, if we're meant to do that, it'll happen. But mm -hmm. if it's, if it's their time, we have to honor that and celebrate the fact that we had them for the time we did, no matter how long, uh, a month or you know, 20 years, however long we have them, and just realize that now as their time approaches, we have to treat this respectfully and honorably and make it as peaceful of, of a passing as we can. And if you're not there when your pet passes, it, I've had clients tell me, oh, it's too late. I can't tell them goodbye. Yes, you can. All you have to do is think it in your mind, and I'll share some steps with you about how to do that, but it's never too late. They know in their heart that you love them more than anything else in the world. And it was probably just like in your case, they were leaving to protect the feelings of your son. And so mm -hmm. they didn't have to see that and experience that. And that's what a beautiful sentiment that is. Do you come across experiences where animals will take on pain for us? I had um, a really strange experience. I had rescued a very, a very abused little Doberman Shepherd, and um, it was just, it was, she was just the sweetest darn thing, but she had a really difficult upbringing. And when she came to us, all she wanted to do was sit on my lap. And she was, you know, a big Doberman. And she would curl up into a little ball on my lap all, all the time. Whenever I sat down to read, she was always on my lap. 
and she always had a little baby with her. She always had to have a little stuffed animal. She was just, she was so mothering and nurturing. I just loved that little Gretchen. Well, she was big, but I called her my little Gretchen. Anyway, in 2012, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Now, we don't know how old Gretchen was because she was rescued from a high kill shelter, but she was, you know, older, but not old. Soon, right in the midst of all my doctor's appointments and, you know, all that stuff, figuring out how you're going to fight this and beat this and all of that, Gretchen developed breast cancer and passed that year. And it was heart-wrenching. And a couple of years after that, I read an article that said there are stories where animals will absorb our stress and strain to the point that sometimes they take on our illness. Of course, that made me feel guilty. I still feel guilty about that. But have you come across that in your readings and your experience? Oh my gosh. Uh, it's a beautiful, I'm just sitting here listening to your story. That's so beautiful. And, and yes, I, I hear it a lot. They will, I mean, if you think about this, um, our animals are with us and sharing our energy. They're, they're in the same rooms with us. They're breathing the same oxygen we're breathing. Um, they are basically, you know, aside from the fact when we leave or run errands or go to work or whatever, we're with them all the time. <clears throat> and it's only natural that they're going to absorb things from us. They're going to absorb our energy. They're going to pull from us. They're kind of like sponges, really. They take in our thoughts, our feelings. And I have had many clients who have... I'll, I'll open up a session and the animal will come through and talk about back pain or, you know, trouble in the legs. Uh, and I'll be able to literally trace that right to their human. And they, they are absolutely here to, to help us in our lives. And if taking on some of what it is that we are experiencing as part of it, they do that and they do so willingly. And it's something that is a huge honor and the animals know on a higher level they don't know on a conscious level of course but they know on a higher level that they're, they're here to help us through those difficult times and health issues but yes I have seen actual health issues manifest exactly between the client and their pets and it's really common so it's kind of like this think of your pets as your barometer your little barometer is running around with four legs i can and here's how it, it works if you are healthy happy and whole and balanced so too will your pets be of course i'm talking generally speaking here but for the most part that's true and the opposite holds true too so think about that if you are unbalanced, if you are unhealthy, if you are having troubles or struggles or whatever it is that you're going through, so too your pets will reflect that back to me. So it is truly like having a barometer. I can always tell if there is imbalance in a household by the way the pet's energy comes through to me during a session. If I open up the session and the energy is scattered and all over the place and really difficult to understand i know what i'm going to discover when that human gets on the phone with me it's it's almost it happens a lot um but the good thing is is this is how you can improve your health your well-being 
and your pet's health, you live happier. You know, be more grounded, be more mindful about how you're living your life and how you're treating your body and and health care going forward because ultimately your animals are going to get the benefit of that. Wow. Very good point. Could you um, tell us what are some common ways that pets who have crossed over the Rainbow Bridge will communicate with their loved ones here? Well, the number one way is through our dreams. This is probably the easiest way that they can get through to us because we are in a relaxed state. All of our barriers and walls are down that we put up when we are conscious. And we are in a dreamlike state where we're allowing visitations from loved ones because telepathically is how animals communicate with me. And if you think about it, all of our dreams, everyone who's talking in our dreams is talking telepathically. You never have to see someone's mouth move to, to know that they're talking. You just understand what they're saying. And that's how animal communication works. It's through telepathic communication. You know, when animals talk to me, their mouths aren't moving. <laughs> you don't see, it's not like on uh, the cartoons where, you know, they're forming words with their mouths. This is a mind to mind communication. So when your mind is relaxed and you're in your dream state, you are very open to hearing their messages. You're also more likely to accept a visitation and to accept incoming information than you are when you're conscious. Because when you're awake and conscious and walking around, your brain wants to categorize all incoming information into known categories. It wants to organize it. And if you are new to animal communication, or if you're new to receiving messages from spirit or from departed loved ones or departed pets, your brain doesn't recognize that yet. And it, it takes practice. It takes a while to recognize incoming information. Some of them are very subtle messages or signs. Some of them are really loud. But most of the time when you're first learning and first beginning, it's very subtle. And so what your brain will do is go, nope, I don't know what that is. And it'll put it into this unknown category called um, my crazy imagination. Or <laughs> it'll discount it as uh, I must be nuts. <laughs> um, so when you are sleeping that doesn't happen and you are much more able to receive a visitation or to receive a message that's why when you have when you wake up and you have those vivid vivid dreams like oh my god i was holding my cat or my dog they were right here and i felt them and they were warm and they were with me and oh my god it was like they were right in my arms well they were that's real that's really real that really happened so that's the number one way and I hear that from so many clients, like, well, I dreamed about my cat or my dog, but I don't know, that was probably just my crazy imagination. And I want to shake them right there and go, stop, stop, stop saying that. It's not your imagination. That's really real. It sounds like you get a very similar link with animals that uh, a lot of mediums get with people. So that's really cool. Do you, uh, what, what do you feel about animals coming back to us as reincarnating and coming back? Oh, well, I used to not even really believe in reincarnation. In fact, I kind of poo-pooed it. 
um, many, many years ago, we're talking decades ago, and I thought, oh, that's just a bunch of hooey, and, you know, that's just wishful thinking, and that doesn't really happen, and you can't prove it, so, you know, it doesn't exist. Now, remember, I came from very left-brain um, materialistic world, being in the mortgage industry and working with numbers and percentages and interest rates and all of that. Well, when I shifted, when I made the shift when I was a police officer to more of a right-brained world where I think very creatively and very spiritually and very energetically, this whole transformation starts to happen. And that's when the spiritual awakening really happened for me. And I wasn't trying to do it. I was trying to learn more and grasp more about what the possibilities are, especially like with reincarnation. But it wasn't until I started hearing from the pets that I was communicating with in my sessions they started telling me, well, I've been with my mom before, or we've, we were together in many past lifetimes before. And it started happening more and more. And I started very slowly to become a believer. And then the craziest thing would happen. They would share something like, talk to mom about uh, the Egypt or the pyramids. And the, the client on the phone with me would go, oh my God. I can't believe you said that. I am so into Egypt and the pyramids. I am fascinated by Egypt and the pyramids. And they would bring up something from a past life that they, uh, my client would recognize as something that they were totally interested in. And this kept happening more and more and more. So I got to the point where I really couldn't deny it anymore. And then it started happening where the pets would tell me, hey, I'm going to be coming back. And this is what I'm going to look like. And this is where they're going to find me. And I thought, you know, ever skeptical me, I thought, yeah, right. <laughs> like, this is really going to happen. And sure enough, it started happening. And it, and it doesn't happen all the time. I don't want to give your listeners a false sense of hope. You know, pets don't always come back. Sometimes they, it, it takes a hundred years or so, or, you know, it, it takes a while for them to come back. Sometimes they do. Um, and sometimes they'll come back several times in our lifetime. They'll take on many different forms, but I'm now a believer and I have to just laugh at the former person that I was and my belief system, but that's okay. This is a learning curve for me too. I'm just a student, just like everyone else learning as we go. But now it's like, oh my gosh, I write about it in the book too, about um, several of my favorite stories of reincarnation where the pets would give me almost cryptic messages. Like, you know, you'll find there'll be somebody connected with a T name, T as in Tony. There'll be somebody that has, you know, red hair or they'll, you know, they'll give me like something really kind of cryptic. And then lo and behold, all of those little clues end up being true. So, you know, you get to a point where you really, you can't discount it anymore and you have to go, oh my gosh, there really is something to this. So, yes, I am a firm, firm believer that uh, reincarnation is real. Reincarnation happens. It happens with pets. It happens with people. And um, you just have to realize that if it's in the highest and best interest of spiritual growth for you and your pet, they will return to you. But there's nothing you can do to make it happen. You can't like wish really hard. I mean, it's either meant to happen or it's not meant to happen. 
That's very hopeful. Now, a lot of our listeners are just starting to wake up to this idea that they are empaths and that they do have some intuitive abilities. And one of the things I'll always say to people is look at your interest when you were a child. You know, like I loved The Twilight Zone and Bewitched and all of those types of shows. And in your book, you talk about loving the Doolittle series and and Mr. Ed and things like that and how it took you some time, even though you had some of these little signs and, and things growing up, you still had to grow into this knowledge and ability of, oh, I'm not going to be a mortgage person anymore. I'm not going to be a police officer anymore. I think I'm going to do this. But you had this really neat moment with this dove that helped to really strengthen that realization for you. Could you share that story with our listeners? I would love to. Um, You know, I look at that moment in time as probably the most pivotal moment in my life because it really took me into the direction and down the path that I was destined to go down. And I was not going willingly. I was not cooperating at all. I'm sure my spirit guides were just like shaking their heads at me like, come on, Karen, get with the plan, will you? But truly at at that time, I was in a very low spot in my life, kind of like the the world around me was kind of crumbling. I didn't know where I was going, what I was doing. I was in an unhappy job. I was in an unhappy marriage. I just felt like a big blob of nothing. And I had been communicating with animals um, quite a bit up to that point, but I had recently cut way, way back because, and this is important, because of all the negativity of the people around me, my close friends, my family members, those that I spent time with, I was made fun of. I was told that I was a witch. I was told to my face that I was a heathen and doing devil worship. I mean, this is like really hurtful stuff. And these are from my closest um, friends and family members around me. And I started to believe them. I started to feel like I shouldn't be doing this work. And um, I kind of stopped. I didn't even want to communicate with animals anymore. So that leads right up until that one day where I got invited to a July 4th barbecue here in Spokane, Washington with some coworkers. I was back in the mortgage industry again. And um, um, this was uh, um, after I was a police officer, I had stopped communicating with animals and just kind of gave up on it. So I, I went back into the mortgage industry, much to my chagrin. I got invited to this 4th of July party and we were sitting on the back deck and the next door neighbor came over and said, uh, hey, my cat's caught this little bird and we're nursing it back to health it seems to be kind of tame maybe you can come over and talk to it and find out if it has a home or you know how it got here or something like that and so I thought oh okay I'll I'll go have a look at this little bird so I went next door and there were about four adults and probably six kids in this kitchen and the uh, the neighbor went 
into the back room to go get the bird. And I'll never forget it. She came walking out of the room with this beautiful white dove on her finger, just sitting calmly as if nothing was going on. And this was kind of crazy. The kids were running around. There was all kinds of noise and commotion. And I remember looking at this bird going, wow, that bird is so calm. I reached my, my hand out for the bird to step up on my finger. And that's when everything started to happen. I felt like time stopped. I felt like I was in a tunnel of sorts. I immediately felt this warmth wash over me. Like as soon as he stepped onto my finger, I felt it go all the way from my fingertips all the way up my arm and just wash over me. And I was immediately entranced by this little bird and I couldn't believe what was happening. It was this, this weirdest moment ever. And what it turned out is I started asking him, you know, questions. How'd you get here? Where, where are you from? And all of that. And the bird said to me, the human who speaks to animals, I've been waiting for you. Or I've been expecting you. Excuse me. I've been expecting you. And I thought, what is going on here? I thought, what do you mean you've been expecting me? And it turned out that this little dove had a very divinely um, important, divine important message for me. He knew everything about me. He knew that I had stopped communicating with animals. He knew that I had been teased and made fun of and hurt by what other people had said. I start bawling, right? This little bird sitting on the end of my finger, people around me are staring at me like, she's crazy. They don't know what I'm saying because this is all in my head. I couldn't believe, I saw my whole life like open up before me in a mini movie. It was like I was watching things happen to myself. I was watching myself get beaten down by all these people who were supposed to be my friends. And I was just like blown away. It's like, what is happening here? I felt like I was in a time warp or something. Like I got transported to another dimension or something all right here in this kitchen in Spokane, Washington. It's like, what in the world? This bird was sent to me to remind me of what my purpose is in this lifetime. And he told me that I needed to follow my heart, that I knew what I needed to do, that I needed to continue down my path as an animal communicator, because I was going to help literally millions and millions and millions of souls. And he was here to bring me back to focus and get me back on the path. I was completely and utterly stunned. And that was the pivotal moment where I said to myself, and I found my power in that moment, and I decided to stand right in the middle of my truth and go, you know what? He is so right. I am an animal communicator, and I'm here to help people. I'm here to help pets. I'm here to help everybody understand each other better. I have a message to share with the world. I have a purpose in this lifetime. And I stood right in the middle of my truth at that moment, and I never looked back. And it has made all the difference in the world. I love that story. And I love that the message came from an animal and not a meditation with your guide or not a dream visit or not through a reading with another medium, but from an animal and a dove who is the symbol of peace. I just think that is so cool.
I love that story, Karen, because I think it reminds all of us that when we stand in our truth and accept our gifts, we really can and truly do start to walk our authentic path. And really, that's what we're all here to do. So if anyone wants to check out more about you, they can go to KarenAnderson.net. And I recommend people check it out because, Karen, you have a lot of great things on your website. You've got coaching. You have some self-paced teaching classes. We'll also post a link to your Teachable site where people can learn how to do this on their own in this self-paced modality. So we'll post all of that on our Facebook page and in the show notes. Karen also has a Facebook coaching site for women entrepreneurs called Business is Booming, and that is free. You can find that on Facebook. So we thank you so much, Karen, for coming on our show. If you want to check out more about her, don't forget her book is called The Amazing Afterlife of Animals, and you can find her at Karen Anderson. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Don't forget to always show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.